welcome back to the golden hour ambient music and wellness podcast i'm your host colette aka golden and today you're listening to episode 10 with six missing When I started this podcast, I really wanted my content to focus more on a radio show, um, predominantly playing music, and I always wanted to highlight the artists featured on the show, but I didn't actually envision interviewing them. Because ambient music is often predominantly instrumental, it's experimental, and it's often listened to and experienced in different settings, and sometimes even listened to for specific purposes. I find that there naturally is less of an emphasis on the artist and I'm coming to find out that many artists even have ambient side projects um, or ambient music projects as one of their side projects under pseudonames just out of the need to create experimental music without anyone really knowing anything about them. I'm super excited for this episode because I finally got the chance to sit down and chat with my good friend and ambient artist, award-winning sound designer, composer, and multi-instrumentalist TJ Dumser, otherwise known as Six Missing. We chat about everything from his earlier days as a musician and a sound engineer, collaborations, and the journey of a solo ambient artist and of special insight and introduction into an exciting new chapter for TJ. You never watched 30 Rock? I don't think so. I'm terrible. I'm terrible with anything to do with TV, movies, like pop culture, um, Mm. in the know of anything. I'm like very rarely sit down, watch anything. So yeah. Well, that's actually pretty interesting. Um, I'm going to just force you to just get right into this right now then, if that's okay. Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, I actually, I really like watching t- like television and movies. Um, anything with like storytelling, I think, is really intriguing to me, but also comedy. So mm-hmm. what I was going to say about the 30 Rock stuff is that when uh, the character of Jack Donaghy played by Alec Baldwin gets in front of a camera he all of a sudden forgets how to walk and so he's like <laughs> doing an awkward thing where he's like hey, forget how to do it um anyways <laughs> that yeah. happens to me like forget my name <laughs> wait what do I do I don't know it's like a deer in headlights moment <laughs> yeah yeah it takes a lot of like I think that's why I've found a lot more comfort like recording mm-hmm in this type of setup where I'm just kind of like by myself alone in the studio because I spend most of the time in the studio and most of the time I work, I work remotely. So Mm -hmm. I'm by myself as well. So I'm like very comfortable in the setting, but I feel like I've seen a lot of people go to studios. I used to go to studios. I used to work at studios and like, yeah, obviously having, you know, millions of dollars worth of equipment and gear and synths and, and just, toys in front of you is an amazing opportunity to to be in but i feel like i get like a little stifled in that uh setting like where it's a little like too sterile Mm -hmm. maybe like it's like not as comfortable i feel like i have to come with an idea as opposed to like sitting there and like just trying stuff because i can just do that here 
in my studio, I just feel very comfortable. Like I'm not performing really. I'm not in front of my band. I'm not in front of a producer, an engineer that I know is being paid probably a little too little to be there and be like, okay, fella, like you don't know what you're doing yet. Um, so I don't know. I think specifically for our genre, like ambient soundscape, meditative sound art, like I just, I don't know how you would how that would translate really to like going to an actual studio booking like a day, it would feel really weird. I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't done it with six, six missing this project yet. Um, but I used to do it with bands, but yeah, I feel very, uh, comfortable just sitting in the studio and just, if nothing comes out of it, then that's fine. Like you're just at least still playing, you know? Yeah, and there's I totally agree because I spend so much time playing where I was in studios and playing in bands and rehearsing and you know, I very rarely went into a studio and with things that were not rehearsed. Um it wouldn't just be a jam and then that would become a song. But you just did that, right? I, You've done that a few times. <laughs> yes, and that came those special moments where musicians go into a, a place and um, where everything came together collectively mm. and and there was just a matter of pressing record and out of that became amazing recording. And because there was no pressure, it was not an, an expected, this is going anywhere, um, we're on a time crunch. I've been in the studio and have X amount of time and this guy's tired and he's been probably up since the night before. I can feel the energy and everybody wants to go home and like we're as the ambient, stuff at home in our own spaces it's a very different way of writing music and playing music um and creating yeah i mean i guess i could see even while you were talking about that i was thinking of kind of like ways that it would be interesting to explore going into a situation where there is a bit more pressure or mm -hmm. a bit more um like a time crunch or something i could see how that actually could be like an interesting experiment to do something like that to make it happen under those constraints. But that's sort of how like I work anyways on my own because I have my day job and that demands and requires a lot of time. And it is, it's a full-time job um, despite working for myself. But um, when I get those windows, I get blocks of time in like an hour, two hours, at most a day I get, um, and that's really rare. But it's usually like, okay, I finished at, I like to keep kind of like a, a pretty tight normal schedule so things don't get weird and wobbly and I'm just working all the time. So I usually try to stop at six my time. And if I'm done at like 5.15 and then I know, you know, we're gonna enter into our evening routine, I give myself that like 45 minutes and just be like, what can I do in this amount of time? Like, so just go kind of like, is there a, is there a track that I had started on or was working on? Um, or like a shameless plug for our track that we just did together. Yeah. Like that's how that came about where it was like, you sent me the files and I just started working on it that day. Cause I was like, I know if I don't do it right now, it could be three weeks until I touch this again. So mm -hmm. I, I do, I guess I do like to give myself those time constraints uh, because it also, I don't know, it like weeds out some of the mental hurdles that you can put in your way where you're like second guessing yourself or mm -hmm. um, 
doubting yourself if it's like working or not. I just usually try to like give that like in and out time, throw as much paint at the wall as I possibly can, and then come back on a different day and edit and listen back and see what stays, see what goes, see if it inspires something new. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I kind of, I, so I guess as I was saying that, I was like, I guess I would be fine to go into a studio, <laughs> except <laughs> it would cost a lot more money to do something like that. Yeah. Do you find that you work well in structure? Are you a structured person? Uh, yes. I think that I don't know how to not work that way. And that is truly um, because I am like very much self-diagnosed obsessive obsessive compulsive mm. um, in, in those tendencies where I get tons of anxiety if I uh, don't kind of like have a idea of what I'm doing or if I haven't done certain things like uh, I'll, I'll get I'll overshare uh, but like if I have <laughs> if I have cables out in the room from the session before um, I can't, it's like my mind it's a representation of my mind like it's like cluttered then so I need to like organize the room put stuff away literally even visually not see the thing and then I can start fresh on something um, but I mean I can be flexible in the ways that like if something is just coming i'll just run with it um but yes normally i like to structure my day in a way that you know you were asking about like wellness and and mm -hmm. stuff i i like to stay active because engineering mixing musicking it's like a very sedentary thing um for, sure. for long it can be very long stretches of time like when we do a, a voiceover record or something it's you know two hours of just being seated, agency work, commercial work. It's all just nobody remembers to eat or drink water or anything like that. So I do. I try to like start the day with a run or a long walk and then eating breakfast. And if I don't eat breakfast, I feel like the day gets all thrown off and then I'm just kind of like unfocused all day. Um, coffee, tons of water, all of that stuff. But all that was to say that, yeah, I like to keep a pretty neat and tidy schedule. <laughs> I feel like it's helpful. I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if other musicians work that way. I don't know if you work that way either. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit on the other side. <laughs> um, I'm a, definitely scattered a little bit all over the place. <laughs> I'm also like been used to be doing multiple jobs at mm. once and then balancing music um, and the wellness and my yoga and wellness you know on the side um i've always had to do that on top of full-time work and sometimes my job it's completely different than art and music um like a lot of people don't know but i am a social worker mm. and it was a big part of my you know my work outside of music i've been on and off in the social work field which is very different than music yeah um and that requires a lot of time and energy but it depends like my own personal structure I have a routine. Um, I have to do some form of movement every day. I have to eat well and balanced. Um, those are my non-negotiables. As a human, mm. um, when it comes to music, I try to be a little bit easier on myself um, and be more free in my creating mm. and my time, um, going with it when it comes out instead of getting frustrated. Um, I schedule between eight. I'm a little bit like, it's sometimes in the morning, it's rare, but even when I was working full time, I wouldn't start tracking until 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I'd be going to like one in the morning, 
10 to 1. That's my sweet spot. Um, all the music I've created has been in between that time frame. So the witching hour. Yeah. <laughs> I would be like, I would be super free in that time to create. But it's okay because I'm also a Gemini. I can do a million things at once. Oh, me it's, too. It's like a very... <laughs> When's your birthday? natural. I'm June 7th. That's my birthday. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Yeah, June 7th. <laughs> no, it isn't. It is. A hundred percent, yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is crazy. And so to further that, so, you know, Gemini being twin, so there's us now sharing the same birthday. My wife's birthday is seven days before mine, and she wow. is a Gemini as well, and an actual twin, which is Oh my crazy. gosh. Wow. Yeah, so Two Geminis. It's horrible. Like decision making is a wreck in our household. <laughs> That's yeah. Honestly, yeah, I I can totally. Whoa, this is so crazy. Totally see that. I, I can't believe we have the same birthday. What? Yeah. The hell? Well, happy oh almost God. birthday. We're getting there soon. I know. That's wild. <clears throat> that wow. is really crazy. Um, I totally hear what you're saying, and I think that for a lot of people, this is the case that music is the thing you have to figure out how to fit in. Like it, and that's, I think mm -hmm. that's just kind of accepting the reality of what it is these days. I think gone are the days where you can kind of be, I don't know. I, I mean, like the, the ideal is that you're just making music full time and somebody's paying you to do that and you're making enough money off of it to sustain yourself and live the life that you want to live and not struggle and all of this. But those two things are paradoxical, I think, sometimes, unless you are the long career of Bruce Springsteen or the meteoric rise of Taylor Swift or the Ed Sheerans or, um, I don't know, the Brian Enos like, of the world. Like It, it is mostly 99.8% of us have to figure out how to fit in our art and whether that's music or writing or uh you know, visual arts or performance arts, it, it, it is the thing that you have to balance in life. And I think the thing that I like about limitations is that it helps me focus. It is almost like putting the gear shift on the bike a little bit higher where you have to like struggle against it a little bit to, to, to like make that, uh, resistance, like wake you up a little bit. And the thing that I've also been trying to get better at, and I think is a, is a skill, and I think successful people in any sort of field have figured out how to read the moments that you were talking about, like where you're like, I'm just not feeling it versus mm -hmm. le like letting that go and being like, I'm okay with that today. Or being like, today's the day I need to actually push past that hurdle a little bit and see what happens. Um, I'm trying to get better at reading myself on that. Like when is the right day to step back? When is the right day to push in, lean in, dig in? Um, and then also, yeah, even just with what I said earlier, then hearing what you said about how you create, it's like, yeah, I do that too. It's like being flexible with knowing that it can change and seasonally it can change. It can change day to day. Um, because yeah, I've had some of like the most creative 
moments happen when I can't sleep and I just get up and I'll sit and I'll be like, I can't make a lot of noise. And that actually informs like what I'm performing, what I'm playing, what I'm writing. And that's been some of the coolest stuff that I've liked because it's almost like you can like feel that vibe on it. It's like very tangible where there was this delicate nature to the guitar. Like the guitar was so loud, but I was playing so quiet and it just created like a weird tone that I would have never really thought to seek out. Um, So yeah, I think being flexible with it, reading yourself, accepting that you can change, but also, yeah, having those like guidelines and limitations really just like squeeze out potent energy, I think sometimes. And I think that's where my, um, my output came from for the last few years was being generally isolated like when we moved because we moved from New York to a new city um, at the beginning of the pandemic so we kind of like launched right into legitimate isolation and then that kind of zapped my whole momentum of like meeting people expanding a network where I didn't have one so I just kind of went internally I just went inside yeah And I just started writing and I think also like to talk about it, like some heavy depression that came from all of that. And instead of turning to the things I maybe once would have turned to as far as like uh, negative activities, I just channeled it into writing and like just sitting down and just being in front of the studio computer at all hours of the day and just kind of like going for it. So yeah, the end product of depression being music and art is actually, I'm okay with that for now, I guess. <laughs> and do you find like, does that feel differently to put your attention differently into, um, to be writing in a looser genre like ambient music, um, that there's this more healing um nature that comes out of writing this music and that's just for me but in the past when you put your energy into your music would it look differently um, than during a time of solitude Mm. it's a great question um was it ever therapeutic or was music always a therapeutic outlet i think probably yeah i mean yes is the short answer to that um i think that it has transformed and it has matured Mm -hmm. aged in a way that i am now kind of having a different relationship with it and it's taken on i don't know maybe i've just been able to identify the deeper roots that are in it because i'm clearer these days but music was always an outlet for me um from the very early age, like as early as I can remember, and in, in videos that I've been shown of myself as a baby, it's like there's uh-huh. there was mu- there was music there, and it was just always something that I gravitated towards. Um, and how did how did you start playing? Like, what was your very ooh. first like introduction to music? Was there a point in time when you remember sitting down and playing whatever instrument or anything or singing or do you remember that moment, that connection? Uh, yeah, my my family isn't totally musical. Um, mm-hmm. There's no real like player player in the family, 
no real singer singer or anything but my mom i mean my my mom and my dad uh are big appreciators of music in different ways like i remember always sitting in my dad's car and him having the oldies station on so there was always music my mom was a dance instructor um and so there was always like pop hits like i think my first <laughs> real thing it, there was a lot of like paula abdul and like that nice. type of stuff um yeah but the first instrument, I don't know. I just always, I always wanted a, a guitar, always. Um, I don't know, something about it just always drew me in. Maybe it was because like I didn't, it was just mystical and magical to me that people could pick it up and make those sounds. And, um, but yeah, I mean, the first, the first thing was a piano and that got boring really fast. And it and was how, like- How old were you? probably like, you know, 10 or something. Uh, I was very quickly showing my hand that I, I didn't enjoy sports. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so my, right. my parents, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not very athletic in that sense. Uh, my dad being a big sports guy, a runner his entire life. Um, I came into running later in life. Uh, but yeah, they were like, well, you, if you got to do something, like you you just can't not do anything. So <laughs> they they tried piano and my sister and I did it, but I didn't have the patience for it to like sit and learn music, which is a big regret of mine now. Uh, but Same. I would just memorize. <laughs> yeah, I would just I would just memorize all of the stuff by ear and then play it back and pretend like I was reading the notes. Um so it was piano that led to guitar and then from guitar to drums and then guitar became the big thing that was the instrument um and every band i was ever in it was guitar found a affinity affinity for bass when i first really heard like sergeant peppers and realized that paul mm -hmm. mccartney was playing melodies on the bass line that you could actually sing like a vocal line that blew my mind and i started having an appreciation for bass and then from that, you know, it just, it goes and goes and goes. So you can't read music either, huh? No. <laughs> nice. No, it is always like, yeah, I've, I've always, I was similar. I, I started, I actually started on bass. That was when I started. Um, is that your primary? I honestly don't even know what my primary is anymore. <laughs> I mean... I've been learning production and focusing more on the ambient music on my project. I, I don't set enough time and where I'm sitting down and mm. just playing one instrument anymore. Um, if someone was like, you're going to a jam, um, I would love to play bass. If there was any instrument that I would pick, I'd probably pick bass, but it's a yeah. little bit hard on ambient music. Um, the last jam that I was at, I ended up bringing a bass to an ambient jam and no one has i don't think done that before but it's my heart instrument it's my first instrument i what made you pick up i bass? love it like that you don't ever really hear it bass is always out of like the necessity that the person that wants to be in the band all the good positions are taken yeah so what what drew you to bass um well when i was i started playing bass around mm. 12 which is pretty young um, my brother, who's younger than me, he was around eight years old and he was in drum lessons and my dad was like, your brother's playing drums, 
you know, I was actually learning a little bit as well. And I love playing. And he was on drums. And I was like, well, I should play bass because drum and bass are together. And um, I don't know. I started playing bass and I fell in love. I'll, I'll often, um, in every track of mine, my golden uh, tracks, there's somewhere I've put in a real bass. Um, although you can't really tell because it's missed differently, but I love the organic quality and the warmth and quality of the sound and, and the ambient recordings. Um, I always incorporate bass in some way. Um, it doesn't have to be constant, but it just hugs you in these mm. really nice moments. Um, so from bass, um, yeah. And then I naturally picked up guitar back to like not learning how to read music. I was so lazy because I could hear it way better than I could read it. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, oh, I can mm -hmm. hear it and play it and find it. And in those early guitar days when you oh, yeah. like wanted a guitar tab and you know how you right. would be looking for a tab and you would see chords and it clearly wasn't played in those chords or in that structure. Um, it's somewhere else on the guitar and you can tell the difference between that. Yeah. I, I really could have easily been like a guitar tab writer in the early days of guitar tab because I could hear it mm -hmm. and then I could find mm -hmm. it. And it was just faster. But being lazy and I just wanting to get there as yeah. fast as I can because I could hear it, but... I never focused on learning um, and reading music, but it has its downfalls because if I am with people jamming, it's like, I, we, what key are you in? And I'm like, I have no idea. And then I go and throw a capo mm -hmm. on it. And then I'm like, great. Now I actually have no idea where I am. But I was listening to an interview a few months ago with uh, Rick Rubin and and flee from the chili peppers and he oh, and chili peppers they're like a new recently. band they're a new and up-and-coming band right <laughs> i've heard of them <laughs> they got a ton of promise oh my god but he had was talking about how he was starting to learn how to teach himself how to huh. read music and he's gone an entire career he was saying he has all this music and he's more interested now in, mm. in learning that kind of other side of playing and understanding the instrument a little bit more from an analytical and theoretical point of view mm -hmm. versus the feeling. So one day I'd, I'd love to sit down, just see the other side. When I was outputting so much writing, um, it was easier to just do it by ear and feel into it. Mm -hmm. And it was very intuitive. And when I started playing guitar, I started writing exactly at the same time. So I would learn, I'd write the guitar, I would sing, it would all come at the same time. And it was wow. always that way. It was always like I sat down and I don't know, it came at the same yeah. time. <laughs> but. Wow. Yeah. So if I sat down to write my singer songwriter music, it would always be guitar and singing in that moment at that time. And I would always just try to be in this like other type of space it's like a, a download or yeah. whatever that is and you're in this pocket and mm. it's in a specific moment and it's always together. Yeah. The lyrics will come and the chords and everything would come at the same time. And that's like magic to me, honestly, because like there wouldn't be a teacher in the world that could teach you how to do that. Like if you didn't just 
feel it if you didn't have it. And that's like, I think about that a lot is like, there are some people, I think there, there are two types of, of talent. There are the people that just have it, that it's just there, it's inside, mm-hmm. and they can be, you know, they can uh, abuse their bodies and not do any vocal technique that you've ever mm-hmm. heard of or like smoke incessantly and all of this, and they can get up and be perfect and just perform it. And it's like, you know, the Amy Winehouses of the world where it's just like it it's in her every moment of her mm-hmm. life and like, you know, her very sad story of her life, but like being so sick and unhealthy for so long, but still being able to like just turn on that switch and 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 give that gift. So there's that. And then there's the people that can really dig down and learn the mechanics of it and get good at the mechanics of it and then turn the mechanics into the art, which is truly magic to me. It really is because yeah, I what you're saying, what Flea is saying, like there is this mysticism to me, someone that can sit down with a chart, with a um with, you know, notation, orchestrations, sit in front of a piano cold and just read this stuff like it's telling them exactly what to do. I don't know how that ever happens and it is <laughs> still amazing it's the exact to me. Same. And it's not yeah, it's like one of those things where Sometimes when you like learn how the magic trick is done, it's not as entertaining anymore. And it's never that way for me. Like it is always still a magic trick just seeing that. So I I completely understand that. Um, But I'm with you in that like when I started, I just wanted to get as quickly as possible from point A to B, which was really born out of like, I just wanted to perform I wanted people to like look at what I was doing and Mm -hmm. I wanted, because I was a shyer, quieter person in the school days and having a guitar on you, you could be a shyer, quieter person and let (laughs) the guitar do the talking. Make a lot of noise. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And that's what I, that's what I wanted to do. So I wanted to get like going as quickly as possible and I don't know, maybe, maybe that wasn't the best way to go about it now, but Who's to say? I guess there's always time. There's always time to learn. Mm-hmm. You learned by like what has been, I mean, I know you're doing a lot with since these days, but which is incredible. But um, what has been, has, has there been another instrument that you aspire to learn one day? I mean, you're very multi-instrumental. So is there anything like I would love to learn how to sit down and, and dive more into this instrument? Oh, well, thank you, by the way. Um Yes, there's an easy answer to that. That's piano. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that piano is an amazing, beautiful instrument. It's an entire band orchestra in one. I mean, you've got the bass notes, you've got the mid-range, you've got the high end, you can play top lines, you can play melodies, chords, rhythms, counters, you know, calls and responses. It's all in one Thing, which is incredible. Plus, they're beautiful uh, visually, and just there's soft and there's curves and there's like you know strength to it. And so I I think like from that side, piano a hundred percent. I am not very I'm not a virtuosic player. Like I'm I'm not the type of person that could ever. I've I've gone through phases of like 
appreciating and, and loving virtuosos um, and I just of any instrumentation. Uh, but it is it's never been me. It it's I think when I, I used to think it should be me, and that was where I would get <laughs> into like trouble, but it it is not me. So I'm really interested in doing a lot of different stuff um, and getting it to the point that it sounds good to me. So pianos, synths, guitars, all of that, there's tons of room, tons of room for improvement in all of those areas. Um, but yeah, I think if I had to go with one, it would be piano a hundred percent, just even having like the two it's a full body thing too. I can't even believe that. Yeah. So you're like two hands, your feet, you're, you're doing so much stuff. It's like, it's, uh, it can be so emotional. It can be ominous. Mm. It can be everything. I think it is the perfect instrument. Um, I used to live in Astoria in Queens, New York, and at the end of my block, literally, the end of the block was the Astoria uh, was the Steinway Piano Factory, and it had been there since the 1800s. Um, and so, they, it's still active. They still make pianos every single day. Um, and I went on a tour there, and they give you a tour through the factory, and a large majority of it is still made by hand by human wow. beings, which is just like another level of awesome because here's like this skilled person that has dedicated their life to this craft uh, that is, um, you know, can be done by a machine. And I think that the, obviously what Steinway would say is like the differences in the Steinway is because we have these people making these things with their hands. And when you take this instrument home, it's like, it's human. It has a soul. It's alive. It, it, yeah. So this is a super long way to answer your question <laughs> and I'm sorry, but if there was one for you, what would that be? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I love strings, string instruments. So mm. I, I would love to learn cello and I would love to learn, probably learn how to play the harp. So I love using my hands and, and I, I love playing guitar and talk about two hands doing two different things um, in, in different ways. And just, I like, I'm, I'm a big string instrument gal, so mm. I would definitely be cello and and piano I love. When I see people playing piano, I'm like, it's incredible. I have not sat down enough probably with the piano. Like when I play, it's only to track. Um, that's kind of how I navigated. Like I can play some songs on piano all the way through with just your basic chords, but I use it more to track and production and I arrangement. And I but I do think it's the ultimate storytelling instrument out of everything. There's a lot going on. Like you said, it's full body. You're playing every section. Um, I think with more time, I would like to dive into it more, but definitely cello and harp. But I'm also a real master of none when it comes to instruments because I can play a lot of them, but I'm not particularly excellent at one of them. It's 
part of just being like interested in so many things all at the same time. I know enough to be able to track and to play and that helps me learn, but I could never seem to focus on one instrument, mm. even though there's been different parts of my life where I predominantly that, played one instrument. That must be like where your producer mind comes in though. And I'm curious because I know my answer to this, but do you find that you you kind of have that desire to keep seeking out new sounds and new instruments because it helps you with writing and ideas? And like, if you have that beginner's mind, you're kind of mm -hmm. always in that fresh, playful space. That was a leading question, yep. I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, for sure. And um, sometimes it comes back to, if, if you don't know theory, there's certain rules and guidelines that you can play with depending on what your key you are in or um so i feel like you have the freedom and exploration in that type of beginner's mind and childlike mind and playing instruments where you don't necessarily know the theory or um the logical way of playing um what makes sense um especially during different scales or, or tunings um where you're supposed to be playing in that kind of like place so um, production is actually a fairly new thing for me. So I'm interested in how did you get to that sound? How was that sound created? So when I pick up an instrument, I'm like, oh, that's probably a synth, not a, a, a bass, or maybe it's not a you know full drum kit. It's actually a drum pad. Um, there's all these, so and so many ways that I love learning. I love learning new things all the time. There's so much freedom when you don't know what you're doing because then you find creative ways to find yourself. Mm. Yeah, I always tackle something, like even something that I know, like guitar, I'm always like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can always be learning more. Um, I can always, there's always room for exploration, improvement. Even if something's so familiar, there's a real mindful practice um, because you're always starting every day, um, a new day with a beginner's mind and seeing something from the perspective of the first time, even something that's so familiar and common, you can always choose to see it from a different mm -hmm. way in a different perspective. But were you always like, how did you dive into production? Mm. You you were playing in bands before in New York. Um, how did you move into that space? And when you did, did you stop performing live? Did you move more into production? Did you navigate both? Mm. How was your journey? Because your sound design production is fantastic. Mm. Um, it's so well balanced. And how did you get there? And and how has that evolved and changed the, your journey through music? Wow. Uh, thank you so much. I mean, I feel the exact same way about your work too. Um, obviously, why we're here chatting and why we've worked together. Um, <laughs> So it's quite mutual, um, but thank you. Um, wow, uh, I mean, I I don't know. It's, I always, I think it was by default sometimes that I, I was the one that was interested in the technical side. I've always been, to make a horrible analogy, it's like I, I wanted to be the lead in the play, but I always, uh, connected more with the stage crew and the people mm. that were kind of helping make the show the show, um, which is, 
uh, I guess not a horrible analogy because that's exactly what I do in my professional life now. I help make <laughs> right. the show the show uh, or the commercial the commercial uh, or the movie the movie. Um, so that is exactly where I fell into. But I guess I always had that desire. So I in the group of friends, I was the one that had the tape recorder. I was the one that then got the zip disc recorder. And then I was the one that got the uh, flash drive recorder and then the computer. And then, hey, this thing could actually turn into something of like a career and a job. I'll look at colleges for this. Uh, So I went to school and then the computer became great. Now it's not just GarageBand, it's Pro Tools. And then Pro Tools turned into Ableton and Ableton turned into going back to cassette and it's full circle again. And um, so I just always fell into that role. I I like being in control of of that stuff. I like being the conductor. I like Mm -hmm. being the orchestrator. So like when we were in the studio in bands, of which I've been a part of many, I always fell into that role. I was the one that knew the language of Pro Tools. So I was always the one running the sessions. And we had a built-in engineer now. Great. We don't have to pay an engineer. We just got to find the studio. Mm -hmm. I so happened to work in studios. So it was just like my place that people would come to. Um, But I really liked that. I could hear kind of like the big picture without having all of the pixels put in place. Um, And so I think that's why... I did so well with some of my older bandmates um, because I could hear their ideas and where they were going to go. And I could help them get there quickly or quicker, or we could do it together, or I could fill out the rest of the picture and hear, you know, kind of like I said to you, when you asked me an email, like, how do you like to work? Do you like to work with stems and idea, whatever? And I was like, anything. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm very good at, <laughs> uh, I'm very good at seeing past kind of like, you know, because like when you work with someone new, sometimes you want to be like, well, I intentionally left it bare. Like, don't worry, like I can do better. Or like you you kind of like make those excuses. But I've I've I'm always so open to anything because I like trying to find the puzzle pieces and put them together and build the picture from something smaller. So I guess I just kind of fell into that role. And maybe it's going all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, maybe it's how my brain works with kind of like the compulsion to keep things neat and organized. And um, uh, I guess I guess maybe that's it, is like it when I started accepting more of who I just really was versus who I thought I should be, I started becoming more comfortable in that role. And... Um, now in my own music, I get to, I get to do that all on my own, which is really cool. And the ideas, kind of the the time between the idea in the head and the idea on the metaphorical paper, becomes quicker and quicker. Um, yeah, that's why. And also, why I like working with other artists too, because mm-hmm. it can get kind of solitary and insular and insulated, isolated when you're just working by yourself. Um, Yeah, well, you're like the king of collaborations over here. (laughs) It's mm. awesome. It's awesome because you can see so many, like, I love when you release music and I I can always find you in the collaboration. And it's nice. I love that because I love when you can hear someone you don't know. And even if it's like on the song on the radio or wherever it is, and you're like, 
oh, that's that's Skrillex. Mm. Um, you can mm-hmm. tell just despite who you're playing with, who you're collaborating with. Um, you can, I can always find your sound. That's really <laughs> awesome. How did you start collaborating more? And was it because of the pandemic um, of being more isolated or uh, were you always a big collaborator? Um, yeah, I mean, I think part of it was probably that I left bands and I left my home, my home, and I had not really built a network here. So I found my footing in the world of this through, yeah, reaching out to people, social media, messaging people, just kind of coming across other artists and just wanting to maybe you're maybe you're similar but sometimes in those days when i'm not feeling super inspired to generate the idea from scratch having at least somebody else's material to be kind of like the song starter is enough for me to get inspired um so i think that during the pandemic during the time of high creative output i just was like looking for as many people as i could meet and work with as possible because it was so fun to kind of like put your own fingerprint and wax on that and see like if yeah what you could do with it basically um and it's been fun doing that uh i know i've done a lot of them and there are more coming out even that i've sort of man forgotten about uh but i'm at a place now where this is i guess timely and relevant but um yes i have kind of like put the brakes on the train um, intentionally, uh, which is the first time in three and a half years that I've done that. And it is another just weird feeling. Like it, it feels really strange not to like, as silly as it sounds, like open my Spotify for Artists app and see like the upcoming stuff. I don't have anything mm-hmm. right there. And it's not that I don't have the material. Uh, it's just that I've wanted to kind of like stop and get more focused and intentional with what I put out. Um, I think I went through kind of like, for better or worse, a manic phase of just creativity with other artists. um, And that is now trickling out, which is fun because some of it happened a year and a half ago and some of it Mm -hmm. happened a month ago, Um, Mm -hmm. like ours. We just kind of went, did it and (laughs) scheduled it and got it out. Yeah, which is how I love to work. Um, But yeah, I'm... Uh, it's it's close enough now that by the time this airs, I will be able to officially say it. But I'm working with a record label. I'm working with Network. Uh, I'm signing with Network as an official artist with them, which is incredible, and I'm I'm really excited about. Um, Amazing. But I had a record that was slated to come out in April, and that's kind of around the time that we started talking to each other, the label and I. Um, And the record felt like it had been done for a year and it had been sitting and ready to go and kind of Mm. in the hopper. And um, it just felt like sketches. It felt like rough mixes and demos. And instead of keeping the train Mm. going just to keep the train going – which is like feeding the social media beast, which is mm-hmm. it's never satisfied. Um, I decided to stop, pull the record, and kind of like end that release cycle uh, for the better, I think, because the album is now headed to mastering uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, and it is probably, it's the 
the most proud I've felt about material since like recording my own music. It, it feels wow. really great. I was able to pull basically the way I had been describing it to people is uh, taking the the finished product and making that the starting point for this whole new record. So I took wow. every track that was on there. Uh, I threw some out completely, but I basically used them as the starting point for new material. So what I thought at the time was my best work is now the starting point for where I'm trying to push myself to go. So now I'm ho hopeful that this is going to be even better and worth the wait and it'll make the splash that I'm hoping it does and kind of like you know we both make music in a very weird genre like that people don't normally like if you go out to dinner or a bar or like if you want to get into the car with your friends like you're not throwing on an ambient album like it's very no. personal one-on-one <laughs> -on -one type of thing and i my goal with this record is like people like my wife people like her friends that don't listen to ambient music don't maybe actively choose it or even know like how to consume it i mm -hmm. want this record to be the gateway to that where it's like i i don't know that's that's what i'm hoping for because i just want ambient music and the type of music that we all create to like be taken seriously and not just be playlist material. Mm -hmm. Like I want it to be records that can really become a part of your day, a part of your life and maybe help you discover something about yourself. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And that's what I really tried to do on the podcast. I am always interested in the story about the song or the feeling of the song or what else has inspired you to write this. Um, I, I try to always highlight the artist instead of something that's always thrown on the background and maybe passingly being listened to. Um, how do we listen less in a passive way, more in an engaged way? I try to... Um, I think about it both sides because I don't want to streamline and, and pigeonhole artists into a certain space like music for anxiety, music to meditate to. Not that I, I want to just keep them in those types of contexts. Um, they are supportive. The music is supportive in those ways. But how can we still do that but also highlight the artist? How can we talk about the feeling that inspired the song or whatever it is? How do we highlight the artist and a little bit more versus just passively listening? Um, so instead of, oh, this is music to fall asleep to, um, <laughs> can we give it a little bit more love? Um, how do we create more engaged listening versus, yeah, passive listening? Yeah, and you're doing an amazing job. And also, like, what you do is already so different than what other ambient musicians and artists do. Is like you're talking about it. You want, like, you're putting your face out there too, which is like so many times. So it's always uncomfortable. Yeah, but th that is it. Exactly. Like, it is uncomfortable. So most people don't do it. Um, and I think that with what you're doing, and how you're trying to invite people in, it's doing such a like service to this type of genre and this type of music. And I'm sure like with other people, you know, that you talk to, ambient musicians also 
aren't always the best art articulating things, but sometimes they have like too much to say, uh, which is what I feel <laughs> yeah, like is going to be uh, for you editing this episode. So <laughs> Not at all. Um, honestly, very happy to dive deeper into like, this is what it's all about, you know, and, and how do we put more of a personalization to the in music being played instead of passively mm. listening? And how do we boost this more for everybody? Because it's... Um, I, th I think that it's just really powerful genre for many different reasons. And, um, and so it's, an, very, awkward, yeah, it's an awkward ahead. thing too. Like we all, sorry to cut you off, but like it's, mm -hmm. it's a genre that we all are screaming for people to pay attention to, <laughs> to not pay attention uh -huh. to it. So it's exactly. like this, again, to use the word, it's very paradoxical, like it, mm -hmm. it which I kind of love. And it is also challenging uh to yeah please pay attention to this thing that you're not really supposed to pay attention to but i'm saying that because just in case you find it really boring <laughs> yeah. like but that's actually i really want you to pay attention to this in great detail is usually where i'm at with that i'm i'm very excited to hear about an album <laughs> mm. very very excited and because i know i i believe your last album was in 2022 is that correct yeah, the I last like moods. full. Yeah, the last full one was Mood Switch. Um, that oh, thanks, thank Big you. Fan. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this one will be another twelve track. I've done a handful of EPs and a, and a few. Uh, yeah, Intention Two was the last thing that I did, which came out in December. Mm -hmm. um, that was like the last solo thing I did and then it was just been a whole bunch of reworks since then um and collaborative pieces with you as well um uh, which everybody listening should totally go stream pen pal right now <laughs> yes look up um, pen pal six missing and golden if you haven't we're judging not judging it's fine but yes. you should definitely go and check it out <laughs> yes um artwork done none other by Colette um but <laughs> that's how we you know you kind of have to do everything yeah um you're incredible with your visuals you do video you have background for those videos you do like you have an incredible way of posting mm. um not only do we have to be audio competent we have to be the visual too um and those things take so much time they take long we were talking about this together um you like I just focus more on the music and that's where I don't try to spend too much time on the visuals but it's so hard not to when you're trying to be in a certain theme or yeah. vibe of what you're going for what did I just what did I just release how does that look with the other discography um the discography's become so digital mm -hmm. as well as you want like how do you curate without being too structured in the curation being an independent artist, it's so hard to always navigate around all this, all these things you got to focus on because you want to focus on the music side. And and then you also have to spend other time on the other facets mm -hmm. and parts of being a musician yeah, I and mean, an artist. Well, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, it's like it's sharpening a knife, really. I think that it makes you get more precise and more like less fussy in other areas. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, for me specifically, it comes down to the limitations again, like because I 
want to not, I don't want to kind of belabor this release, this artwork, this video. I kind of just want, I like, I have the time now. I want to do it now and then it, it'll be done. Um, so I don't know. I think it, it's like heard Rick Rubin talk about it. Every producer that is worth their salt, like will tell you like sometimes it's not about how much you add. It's like what you take away mm -hmm. from it and what is left. And as long as the stuff that's left is really good and important and substantial, then it doesn't matter how much you need to have around it. When you had asked me um, when you did the uh, the episode with the nature sound, the mm -hmm. nature field recordings, I know how mm -hmm. to talk words, don't worry. Um, <laughs> and you asked about when the trees sleep and I opened it back up and I was looking at it because it had been a while. I was like, oh yeah, like that's so funny. There are two layers in here. It's all that track is. It's like a synth instrument and a piano and then field recording. And that's all that needed to be. I mean, not everything needs to be that simple, but if you're getting your your point across with that amount, True. you're just weighing it down if you keep adding to it. And that's like, that's definitely a skill that has to be honed and kept toned like a muscle all the time in the studio. Um, and, uh, yeah, so to, to kind of loop back to what you were saying about doing everything all at once, I think I, that's the stuff that I enjoy, but I, I enjoy getting the knife sharpened in the other areas where it's like this, like at the end of the day, you're making an Instagram video mm -hmm. and like realizing what it is. Like I'm not Very making true. a film that's going to be shown in a film festival I'm making something that somebody's more than likely going to flick past in a thumb scroll or watch without the sound on. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. you just have to recognize it for what it is and place your focus and your time and your effort in the places that are really important to you. So for me, it is important to have, it is important to have the context to control the context of, of being six missing and what that mm -hmm. all looks like to mm -hmm. somebody who's kind of like, uh, coming upon m me digitally. Uh, but for me, it is a hundred percent. The focus is like, I don't give a shit what the video really looks like. If the video is out, it's done. Done is better than perfect. And if the sound is shit, like then I shouldn't be doing it at all. So I think for me, it comes down to the sound. It's always the sound. It's always ever been the sound. And like, that's what I want for this project for Six Missing. It's like a rich, deep, immersive uh, sound experience. And anything other than that, then it doesn't, it shouldn't go out. Like, it just, just put it away then. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah. And so. I really love that because you're like really keeping your focus and you're keeping the highest priority of your focus on what you have mm -hmm. to do. And in a way, you're detaching from any other, like, something you're not getting worried about what this looks like versus how much as it sounds like so you're moving from that point i've never mm -hmm. really thought of it that way i see it more as a whole package but i feel like there's a lot less um stress about it if i can think about it that way um keeping your focus while you're here what you're doing and everything else around it is kind of secondary to as long as the sound is good um that's yeah kind of all the highest priority 
Yeah, well, to bring this conversation completely full circle with something that I made a reference to at the beginning, uh, Parks and Rec, there's a character, Ron, <laughs> Ron Swanson. Uh, he has a quote, his character has a quote that says, never whole, never uh, half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. And I think Sick. that like that is just so true. Like I think that the mm. the visuals, the writing, the website, the artwork, all of that stuff, those are nice-to-haves. But like, if there was anything that ever had to be kind of like dropped off because we've gone over the weight limit, it would be any one of those over the sound. Uh, the sound has to be, for me, the most important thing. I guess for visual artists, it was it's probably like sound is maybe secondary, and that should be for the sure. way that it is. For artists and and uh, you know sculptors or dancers or um, writers, like everybody has to just. Successful people, I think, find that one thing and hold on to it for dear life. And like that's that's the thing that you're gonna like what do they say? Die on a hill for or something like that. Like if that's <laughs> if that's the thing that you go down with, that's that's good, you know? This is what I'm gonna die on. <laughs> yeah, yep. exactly. Um so yeah, but you're right. We're being forced as as artists, we're being um pushed in a lot of different areas to be good at a lot of different things that not all of us are very natural with or very inclined to want to do, which is again, why I think what you're doing is amazing. Is like, you're, you're stepping out of that and you're, you're actually really like putting the rubber to the road and like speaking and, and talking and being out there and like inviting people in. And I think that that's awesome. And like that, the, you know, thank you so much for having me on to even just talk about my little corner of the world of it. Of course. I, I mean, that's kind of what it's all about, just to share the love and highlight the incredible work that you're out there doing and wanting to share it. And it's important and it matters. And and if that can help people in any way, um, their, their journey through life, their day, there's no better way to do that through sound and music so it's kind of what this is all entire podcast um and kind of my movements recently um and just making those connections not feeling so isolated in this big grand ambient space um because it can be isolating because you're always mm -hmm. on your own but when you can collaborate and this is kind of my way of collaborating um which is just to connect and show love and support in any way possible. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure it will grow and evolve over time, but I'm so happy to have you on and so looking forward to um, everything. You have some exciting things coming up and I can't wait to follow your journey mm -hmm. through that. And just, I can't wait to see, I'm always excited to see what you're doing, but <laughs> Thank this, you. the feeling that I, I feel from the new album feels different than anything else that you have put out before. So I'm excited because you feel that that will be very interesting to to witness as a listener. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how it is received. Um, like, you know, anything when you put something out, um, that's kind of Another reason why I just started releasing everything I was working on, because I, I really think mm -hmm. it's important to get comfortable with that mm -hmm. feeling of completing something, being done with it, 
and like letting it go, seeing how it does and honestly being comfortable with the failures as much, well, failures as much as you are with the successes. Like it's mm -hmm. a balance. <laughs> yeah. And mm. uh, you can only do that if you put it out, I think. And like, if you're an artist, I, I don't know. I, I guess I was going to say, if you're an artist that only creates for yourself, that is just as fulfilling as an artist that creates for other people. But I just am always of the mindset that like share it, you know, share your art. The world needs art more than we've ever needed it. Like positivity and places of love and, and all of this that just is God, like swallowed up by seas of negativity and hate and really, really dark shit these days. Um, and so why, you know, keep that, for yourself. I mean, it's okay if you want to, that's fine. But like, I think that you should put it out. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to, that was my soapbox moment. Um, mm -hmm. I'm excited <laughs> to see how this goes over because I feel like in just even what we were talking about, it encompasses for the first time, uh, everything it, like my musical history. It has guitar, uh, that isn't buried. It is kind of like a main character, which is, uh, interesting for me and it would kind of just happen by accident and then that defined the sound for the record uh and i just kind of kept going with it so the guitar is there piano mm -hmm. is there all characteristic things that you had mentioned like that that i try to go for with six missing stuff is like strings and textures and field recordings and ambient with a little bit of psychedelic and a little bit out there experimental, but also grounded compositionally. And, mm -hmm. uh, it has just it all like it, it, it really feels like this is for the first time me really not trying to hide who I am. It's just mm. this, this is me and, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I hope it goes over well. <laughs> Yeah, and I love this. It sounds like it's also in a way full circle going back to your roots of instruments yeah. and when you began and the amount of growth that you probably have had over the last how many years of playing. Um, it must feel really good to release something that finally really feels like you and and full embodiment of what that is. I'm really excited for you. Thanks. Yeah, and... Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody that is listening to it or, or listening to this uh, is is feeling stuck, like with creativity or anything. It's just it is a slow process, and I am not speaking from a place of like the finish line at all. Like I am very much within the marathon, and uh, you know, only on mile two at the moment, and like you got a whole long race to go. So you got to pace yourself, but also, I wouldn't been I wouldn't have felt comfortable uh, or confident or had the vocabulary that I have musically now to release this if I hadn't gone through all of the other stuff and the exercise of releasing music and putting it out and creating, trying to find my voice uh, in in such a kind of broad genre um so just keep going just keep doing what feels right and what feels good and 
you'll find it. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that that's like very nice note to end on and just words of inspiration for yourself and, and other people that might be listening and also in that same space just to keep going. And one of piece of advice that I have too is just just upload and release. Just mm-hmm. upload and release. Just keep doing that and keep doing it. And and yeah, very, yeah. very excited. You never know what's like, I mean, so many of those, <clears throat> like Billie Eilish, like that's what they did, right? They just mm-hmm. were sound clouding basically. Like, and one of their tracks, like, now it's, uh, I mean, many artists has those stories and I, I don't know how you're going to be discovered if you're, you know, kind of staying quiet. Um, Very so, true. Yeah. But thank you so much for having me on yeah. to do this. This is of like, course. I could probably sit here all day and just talk about this stuff. So, of course. And <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, and especially before the album comes out, we can do something as well. And how do we support you? And for everyone who's listening, like, what is the best way to support you other than through listening, through was the best way Bandcamp or yeah uh great question i think any way that you can listen is supporting any way that you feel comfortable um i'm in all of the places uh that you would normally find music and if you're somebody somebody that likes to support um yeah i mean you, the best place to listen to is title amazon those those pay the artists kind of the most mm-hmm. if you're a dedicated spotify user great that works if you love Bandcamp, it'll end up there eventually and if you just don't like paying for music at all you can listen to it on soundcloud or like just send me an email and i'll send you the wave files i don't care like it just want you to hear it any which way you can so um th- that's the best way to do it <laughs> that's amazing and we'll definitely support the your release um upcoming and i'd love to be able to help that in any way possible because i love what you're doing and it's very inspiring and very very excited for you this is kind of a new journey it it feels like it could be an intro into a new chapter for you so Mm. it's very exciting thank you so much well there you have it if you want to check out more from six missing Please support his music through the links that are posted in the descriptions of this podcast. Please like, please listen, please buy, please share. Otherwise, I hope you join me in the anticipation of his new album and something that will be a real treat for any music fan. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.